0: Welcome to the Med device Careers Podcast. I'm your host, Fran Moriarty. Med Device Careers is building a community shaping the future of healthcare. Each episode, I'll sit down with leaders and innovators in the Med Device space to discuss their career path, explore their contributions, and share their advice. Join us today at meddevicecareers.com to grow your knowledge, network, and career. In this episode, I sit down with Marie Claude Jacques. Vice President of Sales U.S. for Bayless Medical. Marie-Claude has spent over 14 years launching products, opening new markets, and developing winning teams across North America. In this episode, we talk about her experience as an individual contributor, her perspective on hiring and managing teams, driving customer adoption, and the acquisition of Bayless Medical by Boston Scientific. Please enjoy. I want to just thank you for being here Um, of course so I thought we could start um, I'd be curious to hear a little bit about uh, you know your sort of your background you know how you found medtech you know what that opportunity first looked like for you
1: sure so my background is microbiology Um, so I worked in research a little bit in dental medicine I loved it for a short period of time and then Soon realized that I needed to express myself and you know build relationships with people, connect with people. But my interest in in you know medtech and um, healthcare came from my mother actually. So she was a she's retired now. So she was a head nurse. Uh, you know one of those tough head nurses. You know you're trying to get in the hospital and they say no and they're very firm with you. So she was one of them. And so when I was um, Maybe like nineteen, I had the opportunity to do like a day in the life of, and so I spent an entire day with a physician, and uh, which was great because at the time I wanted to be a surgeon, right? And then by spending some time with that uh, with that physician, I realized okay, well, yes, I want to be part of healthcare, but not hands on per se. So you know, like working with patients directly, like on patients, was a bit too much for me. So yes, I did a, a little bit of soul searching, and then my mom said, well, you know, I work with a ton of Sales representatives and and clinical supports and maybe this is something that you would uh, that you would enjoy doing, so that's what I did. So when I graduated in college, I had different opportunities. So I knew I wanted to work in sales, so I didn't know if it was pharmaceutical or lab equipment or medical device. And at the time, like a pharma position was way more glamorous right like you have like a corporate car and you know budget and and maybe like comp was also more appealing at the time so that was it was my goal and so after graduation i landed three interviews so one was uh with a big pharma, uh, pharmaceutical company another one with bayless medical and another one for a lab equipment company and soon just by talking with the owner of the company i realized that medical device was more interesting than pharma And so I shifted my interest and you know, I started with them right after graduation and my intention was to stay maybe for two, three years, right? So it was a really, really small company at the time. I thought I'm gonna learn and then work for a larger company and I stayed for fourteen years. So (laughs) who does that?
0: (laughs) So it's been great. I would imagine that opportunity to leave and not taking it, right? What were some of the initial things that kept you there? Right, was it was it mentorship or was it sort of opportunity? You know, as Bayless grew, you know, I know that you sort of stepped into some some more sales roles and in, mm-hmm. in management roles, which I want to talk about. But you know, what were those first initial things that you felt like, oh, I actually can you know make a career here?
1: That's a good question. So the company was so small initially. Um, that you had a ton of opportunities to learn, right? And so it, it sort of forced us all to wear different hats. And so, yes, it was sales, but it was it was also sales and marketing at the time, right? And it was also, i um, also the HR person. I'm also, you know, I'm wearing different hats. So I want to say the opportunity to learn and develop um, as a professional, mm-hmm. um, the company has been really great to me in that sense. And um, it wasn't always easy, because as you know, in a smaller company, like most of the time, or very often, you don't have the resources, right? So you're trying to stretch your resources as much as you can up to a point where you say, okay, well, we need to create this role and then hire more people. So it's sort of forced us all to be super creative and right. flexible, I guess, in our roles.
0: Yeah, and, and so, and you've, you know, you, you've held a variety of roles, but then also you've been in different geographic locations, right? Correct. So That's was that based on, you know, an opportunity and you sort of jumped on it or?
1: Yeah, so, uh, so I started in the Montreal office. It was under sales and marketing. And then, so I did maybe a year and a half there, and then there was an opening on the west coast, on the Canadian west coast in Vancouver. So the rep at the time was on my leave, which in Canada is a bit longer than in the US, right? So it was a sales position, and I said, well, I'm interested, I can relocate. I had never been there before, nor anything, so I was looking for apartments online, and there was no budget for, you know, like these days you have budget for relocation, and you go there, you explore a little bit, there was none of that. So I relocated, shipped all my, you know, put all my stuff on the train, my car, and got there, and I thought, okay, it better works. <laughs> it needs to work. So yes, I, I became the, the salesperson at that time, so I was covering two provinces, mm-hmm. and I had to open an office there, so at the time there was a need to open a, a, an office in Vancouver. We had to do some restructuring as well with the sales team, and I was also the salesperson covering cardiology and pain management. We, had, we did a little bit of radiology at the time, and so in the mix of that, we got ready to launch the, our products in the US and so it was like around 2009 so not necessarily the best timing to hire mm-hmm. people. So instead of hiring people based in the US, we decided to take that small team of three or four individuals and just open the US market and so at the time, so my overnight my territory became British Columbia and Alberta and also one third of the US (laughs) so we were traveling back and forth every every week really to to open the market gauge interest as well educate people about uh, about the products so I did that for for two years and um, we started hiring people after that so you know I was mentoring people coaching the team then uh, there was an opportunity to move closer to the home office so in Toronto so I did that I learned a lot as well so I was able to work in collaboration with the other departments right like medical education and R&;D as well so it made more sense for me to be to be there and then eight years ago, we we had to open an office in the US so it was time for us and so we were looking at different locations. One of them was Boston and so I moved to Boston a few years ago and we opened the office and at the time the intention was to grow the team in Boston as well and really divide and concur and have different offices in the US the strategy change a little bit after that. There were there were great opportunities at Bayless, even if the company was uh, was really small, but you had to be flexible as well and, sure. and you know be willing to relocate and go where the opportunities were.
0: Right. Yeah, I think I mean that's a huge element I, I, I hear consistently is just, you know, remaining flexible and you know that sort of opens your the the window of opportunity for you. There's a lot to sort of unpack there. So when you you're launching products in the US what was what was that experience like because I can imagine you know you're stepping into a totally new territory right there's no distribution mm-hmm. right there's no maybe existing relationships so you're really going in and discovering new territory if you will so mm-hmm. you know wh- what were some of the things that you learned as like an individual contributor and, and you know to the company and, and whether it's messaging around a product or like you know getting you know making inroads with physicians or with Purchasing, like, yeah, you know, what was that process like for you? Mm-hmm.
1: So it was tough uh, at the time because we had zero brand recognition, right? Like, no brand awareness, or uh, people didn't know us. The concept was also different, like, using RF on the septum mm-hmm. was a foreign concept. So we had to educate people as well. Uh, so, yeah, it, w- it was challenging for sure. And it was really cold calling at at its best. You know, like we didn't have like fancy databases, you know, those databases you can purchase. Uh, We didn't have any of that. So we had like a list of just a few customers we thought were doing left-sided procedures. And that's the way we started. And we had great success, especially on the West Coast, thinking around LA and San Diego. Physicians were really open-minded about using new technologies. It went well, it was slow at first, but it went well. You know, you would be driving and then looking at, you know, around you, oh there's a hospital there. I'm just gonna stop by and see if they have like a heart center or, you know, like and like lift sided procedures yeah. there, right? So it's really cold calling at its yeah. best, right? <laughs> so we're like true hunters. And these days, you know, when I when I sit down with my, my sales team and say, Hey, you guys like you need to realize that not that it's easy, right. but it's perhaps a little bit easier than what it used to be, right? Yeah, I think we're they're quite lucky, but um, but in terms of you know like some of the maybe early lessons I learned, uh, I always looked at the business as if it was my own, right? Like really having this entrepreneurial mindset, so it sort of forced me to focus on you know where and when I was allocating you know my time and resources being creative and finding ways to solve problems instead of just like bringing that issue to you know opera management or Whoever it was at the time, self motivation as well is is important. As I'm sure you <laughs> you know, right? If if you want to be a successful uh, person in this field, you have to be self motivated. You know, like especially if you work in the field, it's not like you have an like a an office environment where you have your your coach or mentor or you know your your boss like cheering you up like every morning? It's you know. Need to wake up and be motivated. Beyond that, you know, like I was thinking about just a recipe for success, right? So I think the the first thing is like a team itself, like making sure you have like a great support and people you can trust. I think it takes a little bit of passion as well, right? Like if you're not passionate about what you do, it's gonna be tough to wake up in the morning and and make it happen. It takes talent as well. You have to be to master your craft and maybe just a sprinkle of luck, right? Uh, sure. We all need a little bit of luck at times.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah I think that that's I mean those are all I think hallmarks of of somebody who's successful in this space I'm curious to hear a little bit about how you think about you know so so all those qualities that you just mentioned you know are like you're taking something from zero to one right and then as you grow and scale like maybe that the, the things that are gonna lead to success maybe evolve or change a little bit so as you build a you know maybe like a regional team and then more of a, of, a, of a national team are there characteristics of people that you look for that may be different than earlier on right <clears throat> so all those characteristics that you mentioned in like you know going out and hunting and is that sort of the makeup of the team that you're looking for? Or are there other things that you're starting to select for based on where the business is at now?
1: Uh, that's a good question. So yeah, so definitely at the time, we didn't have a team of clinicals, right? So it was purely salespeople. So of course, like being a good hunter was what we were looking for. But even, you know, if I'm thinking about the way it was before versus the way it is now, um, it's always about having the customer in mind. You know, like if, if you're ready to open a new market and and create new territory like take the time to go meet your customer and say hey what do you need you know what would be useful to you because that's they are the reasons why we're, we're doing this right so take the time to sit down with them and ask them that, that simple question they'll appreciate that and once you hire the person um, they will welcome the person a bit more but for me when I look at the team I think it takes um, it takes like three separate, like three different profiles maybe, Mm -hmm. right? So I think you wanna have your more seasoned people who've been in the industry for years. They bring, you know, a ton of knowledge, obviously. They bring relationships as well, a little bit of wisdom as well, best practices. And then I like to hire people who have been in the industry, maybe not in a role like that they want or aspire for, right? Uh, So someone perhaps who's been in a clinical position but wants to move to sales, right? So you give them the opportunity, like they have a good understanding of what the day-to-day looks like, how to manage a business, but they're willing and ready to take that next step. And then finally you have like the third group which is new talent right like brand new talent in the industry so they come in with a new perspective they're really hungry to to make a name for themselves right and i know because that's the way i started in the industry right like you have that hunger to to learn and and you're moldable as well and at bayless we always like 30 years of course we had our seasoned people we had our people who worked in the industry for some time, but we always we kept working on we kept hiring people brand new to the industry, new grads. It gave us the opportunity to remain connected with, you know, the newest generation of talents. And of course, you know, for medical device companies, I can understand that some could be hesitant. To try that model, right? So it's it's riskier. There's a learning curve. Maybe it requires more training and coaching. And that's and I think that's where a program like yours can really help, right? And if you're thinking, especially at this time with the great resign resignation and and everything that's happening, we need more people in the in the healthcare industry. And so unless we are willing to uh, let more people in, um, it's not going to be enough right? Like it won't be enough. So it, we won't be able to just keep growing by poaching from one company to another. So you have to really think about letting people in. And yes, does it require more coaching and, and mento- mentoring? Of course, but you know, we can afford it.
0: Yeah. 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 And I think um, like mentorship and in, in, in coaching are critical to like long-term retention and development, right? And then how do you think about culture at Bayless? You know, it, I mean, I think you mentioned earlier that you, you have to be, that there's a sort of a, you know it's like you're doing missionary work essentially okay. right early on so what does that look like and then i'd be curious to hear like how do you see that um you know translating into sort of you know the, this new model that that um bayless is now you know with with boston mm-hmm.
1: so yes yeah, so in terms of the company culture everything started with mrs bayless right so she was a founder she was a nurse and so everything was around Patient, so patients first um, and I think uh, Frank Bayless and then later Chris Shaw did a really good job of just making sure that this is what truly guided the company of course you know in PL and and margin of course that's important as well right but but the reason we're here is really for the patient and then the other thing in terms of you know company culture I think the company did a really good job at was employee development So you know sometimes companies say, some companies say, yes, employee development is important to us, but then when comes the time to invest time, and budget it's a different story right but in the case of Bayless they really allocated time uh, and the resources as well for us to learn on the job and uh, go through courses as well and um, and I think you know the, the team saw that I'm thinking as well about uh, you know the, we used to have quarterly sales meetings and so at those meetings we would have like trainers that would come in for, for half a day or you know we would make a point to to put trainings in place every quarter for the team for us to get together and learn so so those two are important and then uh, you touched on mentoring a little bit so i had great mentors at bayless and also outside of the company one of the things that i do every like two or three years I do a little bit of soul searching, right? Like, am I still happy in my position? Like, where do I want to go? Like, what's the next step for me? And I go through like some sort of informational interviews. So I would reach out to people on LinkedIn, just like cold calling, right? People I don't know from small companies, medium sized large companies in different roles. And I would just ask for 15 minutes of their time. And you would be surprised, you know, people you don't know at all, I have maybe like a 10 to 15% response rate people are willing and ready to you know spend 15 20 minutes with you just you know telling you about their story you know how they got there and, and helping you as well and and from those interviews i i got other mentors as well
0: it's a it's a great way to grow your network right mm-hmm. and you know you're really doing that market research on like you know getting p- perspectives from a variety of different people and when you think about your current role now wh- what are some of the strategic you know initiatives that you're focused on
1: so at this time, given the acquisition, it's taking um, it's taking most of my of my time, right? So we are only we two months in the 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 integration, and I'd like to congratulate Krisha and Frank Bayless. It was a great transaction, and congratulations to Boston Sci as well. I think it's a nice acquisition for them as well. I think it, we will complement the portfolio really nicely. So my time is is spent a lot on integrating the team and working with my new colleagues and if you think about how both companies align right in terms of the values and mission as well i think it's a perfect match working with boston sign will give bayless global access we did have access to some markets like we did we do have sales forces you know in europe in some countries and distribution channels but this will really propel like the product line to the next level, right? I'm thinking about joint technology development as well. So we are working on VersaCross, how we can make that work with, with Watchmen. So that will be interesting uh-huh. to see in the future, where uh, we did a few cases in Canada recently. This is not FDA approved just yet, so I'm not sure I can talk about it just yet. But it's gonna create like a really nice energy, I think, in the field. And we've been working with the Boston Sky people, you know, at the field level for years now. Uh-huh. You know, I remember it was in 2015 when Watchmen launched. And at the time we were already in the market with transeptals and I think Boston Sci was uh, really realized really quickly that having a precise puncture was helping the procedural outcome and in other companies that have therapies on the left side realized that as well so we created
0: great partnerships in the field there is sort of a top-down strategy that's implemented but it it seems you know from hearing that sort of informed from more of a bottom-up relationship driven you know, outcomes-driven experience that, that you had in the field, which is I think really interesting. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, one question I like to ask is, you know, if there's um, if there's a something that you're currently reading or a book that you've read in the past that you know has had an impact on you, it could be personally or professionally. Sure.
1: I'm a big reader. I need to, like, I, I love reading actual books, right? Like, <laughs> I need to, like, flip the pages. So, yes, yeah, so of course, I, I read my fair share of, like, John Maxwell books, right, on leadership and everything. There's also the Jeffrey Fox. He, he's got that series on how to become, so it's, you know, those are super short reads. How to become a CEO, how to become a great boss, how to be, become a rainmaker. Very practical stuff. So I've got two books that I really enjoyed reading recently. So one is more for, you know, my personal life so it's a book called couples that work as in not that work as in the relationship is working as in both individuals and the couple work mm-hmm. have a job a full-time job right and so it's how dual career couples can thrive in love and work and so they give you like a ton of questions you know to ask yourself is like okay well at this stage in our you know in our family like who's got like Whose career are we focused on? You know, like who's the main parent? You know, uh, are there things that we can delegate to some? You know, so before we had kids, uh, my husband and I, you know, talked about all these things. I'm super happy because we have a newborn now, and you know, I feel like the transition is going really nicely. So it's actually a really good book. And then the other one, uh, maybe more like business side of things, it's called No Ego by Sly Wickman. So that's the role of leadership to eliminate drama mm-hmm. in the workplace. Did you know, friend, that managers spend 2.5 hours a day on managing drama? (laughs) <laughs> which is sad right like think about it it's like 25 yeah. percent of your day almost like goes in just like managing people's emotion of course it's part of the job it's part of the the like the leadership aspect and people management and all that good stuff but you know how can we eliminate that so so this uh, author uh, sai so she's a former therapist and and now she works on you know training leaders on how to eliminate drama. Yes, we want to give people the opportunity to vent and express themselves, but at the same time, how do we go from, okay, let's stop venting and let's refocus, you know, focus on what great looks like. What would great look like, you know? So yes, it's, it's a great book as well.
0: That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm gonna, you're gonna have to send me those titles again because I, I think I'm gonna have to read a few of those, especially <laughs> the one with the couples working. <laughs> That's an ongoing, uh, yeah, it's a work in progress. So, <laughs> so I think, you know, I think we touched on a lot on sort of your perspective on you know what drives success in this space personally you know at an organizational level, but if there's advice that you would give to somebody who's you know, maybe you're you're potentially hiring or somebody who's mm-hmm. interested in entering the space maybe they're coming out of school or maybe it'd be like advice that you would you know give yourself you know back before you you you, you joined Bayless or you were sort of thinking about your your career trajectory. Yeah, I'd be curious to hear like if, what that would be if there were any sort of you know words of wisdom that you might impart.
1: <laughs> being f- flexible, I think, is important. Being comfortable, being uncomfortable, yeah. is also important. And uh, but it, it all starts with what is your why? What's the reason why you you want to enter the space? And once you find your why, I feel like it's easier to then say, okay, well, this company aligns well with what I'm trying to accomplish and the motivation and, you know, the passion and everything comes with it, right? So I think sometimes some people say, I'm just going to try to get in the industry, no matter what, you know, I'm just going to start with whatever. But at this time, I think given the market, Mm -hmm. I think people who are trying to just get in the industry, can spend some time and do some soul searching and think about why. So that would be my advice. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's great. Well, Marie-Claude, I really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. This was great.
1: Of course. Well, thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. If you enjoy hearing conversations like this one, please subscribe to the Med Device Careers podcast, leave a review, and recommend to a friend to help spread the word. Are you searching for a new career, looking to hire the next Med-Device star, want to grow your network, or are simply looking for a reliable source of Med-Device news and insights? MedDevice Careers is creating a platform for professional development and opportunity, cultivating growth through engaging content and conversations, and connecting Med-Device professionals across the globe. Go to MedDeviceCareers.com and create a profile today. You can also follow Med-Device Careers on all social platforms. And I can also be found on Twitter at PacedBeat or on LinkedIn, where I'll share what I'm reading and learning as I continue to grow my own career. Thanks again.